Welcome to Tycoons of Small Biz, a podcast where small business owners are celebrated as the backbone of the American economy. Each week, we introduce you to tycoons who share their stories and advice so that small business owners may learn from their experiences. Tycoons is powered by Backbone Planning Partners and Pivotal Advisors. Join us now as our hosts connect you to today's tycoons. Good afternoon, tycoons, and welcome to today's episode of Tycoons of Small Biz. I'm your host here, as always, Austin Peterson, coming to you live from Gilbert, Arizona. If this is the first time you're listening to our podcast and you're wondering what it is that we do here at Tycoons of Small Biz, we are a podcast that's put together by small business owners for small business owners. We believe that the backbone of the American economy is the small business owner. And so each week for the past two and a half, uh, almost three years now, we've been recording uh, weekly a podcast that talks about or gives an opportunity for a business owner to share their story, their business story, their personal story, their successes, their failures, in an effort to help other small business owners out there thrive and learn from what uh, what it is that these small business owners or these tycoons are able to share. So with that being said, today we did have uh, a tycoon scheduled for the program, but uh, unfortunately he had a death in the family and was unable to make it today. And so we uh, we are bringing Sexy back to Tycoons of Small Biz today. We're bringing our former co-host back, Landon Mance, who uh, hosts when I'm unavailable and unable to be here. So Landon, welcome back. Absolutely delighted to be here, Austin Peterson, CFP, CLU, CBEC, CPFA, NBA. I appreciate you using every single one of those letters behind my name. Really, uh, really helps me to feel that much better about myself. <laughs> Especially as I stare across this screen at your, you know, perfectly quaffed hair and perfectly quaffed beard and <laughs> and barely holding things together over here. Yeah, well, if I had half the smarts that you did, we'd we'd be pretty dangerous. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. For those who are listening and, and aren't familiar with Landon or, you know, the fact that he and I are, are business partners and backbone planning partners, wanted to take this opportunity. We we actually think that we're we're going to do this quarterly from now on, just have an opportunity for us to join uh, together and talk a little bit about what we do specifically for small business owners. And the main reason that we've put together this podcast. And so, like I said in the intro, it is about propping up that small business owner but it's also about learning from successes and failures and making sure that you surround yourself with the proper advisors um, that are that are out there. And so I'm going to treat this kind of like any other interview and, and Landon and I will have some give and take and we'll go back and forth, but, uh, and, you know, have a conversation like we always do, but I'm going to start by asking you a question, Landon, and, and that is, you know, backbone planning partners is the name of our practice Obviously, we believe that the backbone of the of the American economy is the small business owner. So one would assume that that's part of the reason why. But just tell our listeners why Backbone Planning Partners, why that's the name we use and, and why we've chosen to uh, market ourselves as that. Yeah, for sure. All joking aside, you know, you and I spend a, a tremendous amount of time serving clients together and doing work on the business and all the other stuff that we do. And I love every second of it, man. So happy to be back here chatting about this. Kind of a cool story about Backbone Planning Partners uh, that I don't know if anybody really knows outside of the two of us or you know, at least our team. So before Austin and I merged our practices, I operated as your future planning partners. 
Austin, you operated as Backbone Financial. So as we were as we were merging our practices together and figuring out, you know, were we going to keep one of our brands? Were we going to drop both of them? And ultimately decided on, you know, kind of a hybrid. We wanted the backbone. We wanted the backbone in the name. There was no doubt about that because it fit perfectly with what we believe and, you know, what we do and who we serve. And then we kind of we took the planning partners from my previous firm name. And, and, and that's how the, the name actually came about. But I, I think the, the emphasis that we want to hone in on here is, is the partners. You know, something that's really difficult in our industry is to differentiate yourself from the other 319,999 other quote unquote financial advisors or that put themselves out there to be financial advisors. A lot of us look the same and feel the same and offer the same products and services. We've kind of gone off the beaten path in that regard. And you know, our our practice is focused, at least when it comes to new relationships for the last couple of years, exclusively on serving private business owners and their families. The way that we typically engage with our clients and then serve them on an ongoing basis is absolutely a partnership. You know, it's not a partnership in the sense that, you know, we're not a partner in their business making operational and strategic and financial decisions. But aside from that, we we do operate absolutely like like a partner. So I know we're gonna kind of break that can of worms, you know, open. But I think it's just, you know, just kind of neat and, and cool to hone in on that word because that is one way that we absolutely differentiate ourselves in serving private business owners is 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 through that, you know, through the partnership. And you know, to to have a successful, effective partnership, you have to be in very regular communication, very regular communication, you know, at least bi-weekly or monthly at a bare minimum. And we are, you know, we're talking to our business owner clients, yeah, either bi-weekly or probably monthly um, at the most. Because, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna act as a true partner to somebody and help them to guide their business and, and make really good decisions, more educated decisions, not just looking back in the rear view, but looking, you know, through the windshield, then you have to be proactively in communication with them. And that's you know, that's something that we, we do pretty well. That partnership aspect, you know, I think it would be easy, quite honestly, for any financial advisor to say, well, we, we partner with our clients, right? And yes, you know, I'm sure that many financial advisors partner with their clients. But the, the thing that I want to hone in on or that I think is important in addition to what you just said is that, you know, most private business owners in our country the lion's share, if not 100% of their net worth is tied up in their business itself, right? And and most financial advisors out there are going to work with you on your, call them publicly held investments, right? So stocks, bonds, ETS, mutual funds, you know, annuities, life insurance, whatever you want to consider part of that investment portfolio or the different products that they offer. 
which are very, very important, but that's 100% on the personal side of things, right? And that partnership for us extends to their largest asset, which is illiquid and partnering with them, like you said, to move that business forward, right? It's not our job, like you said, to help get in there and make, you know, every financial decision and, and help them, you know, grow the revenue of the business. But we do partner absolutely with them on growing the equity value of that business, right? And, and I think that that gets lost a lot of times in that every business out there wants to grow revenue. And I've had multiple conversations with clients over the years that revenue is great. It may be, you know, sexy, so to speak, like my partner, Landon Mance, but it, it's not what's it's not what's most important, right? The, the revenue is important only to what it leads to in terms of profit, which then ultimately leads to the enterprise value of the business. How do we do that, right? I mean, talk is, talk is cheap. How do we actually execute on that kind of stuff for our business owner clients? So, I mean, essentially, why should, why should people listening right now care about what it is that we claim to do differently than all the other, not all the other, but a vast majority of the other hundreds of thousands of financial advisors out there in the marketplace? Yeah, I mean, I would say the simple answer is what I is what I just laid out in that the majority of their net worth is tied up in that business. And so they're counting on that. I mean, if, if I had a dollar for every time a business owner told me my business is my retirement plan, right? Like I, I would be a wealthy man today, of course, right? But that that is the reality is that the business is what's going to lead them to their personal wealth and ultimately their financial independence. And so they should care if they have somebody who can truly partner with them to help them monetize that part of their portfolio, which may be their whole portfolio again, right? But being able to monetize that portfolio so that they can then truly be financially independent as, the fa- as a family, maybe creating legacies for the next generations. There are so many things that can go beyond that. But if that business isn't being built with a very strong plan to get to where they need to get to, it, it, it's just all for naught, right? I mean, you basically just provided yourself and probably many others jobs, which is a really important thing, but you didn't provide for your own financial independence in the future because you didn't partner with somebody who could help you plan for that eventuality in the most efficient way possible. And, and I guess I'll just finish with this and then you can add something. But one of the conversations that I've had recently with a client is that and actually it was both of us, was about the importance of understanding what enterprise value you're marching towards at a specific date, right? Now that can change. It doesn't have to be locked in stone, but at a specific date. And then every decision that you make inside of that business should be through that lens. Is this decision going to make us closer or farther away from hitting that target equity value on the date that we've specified that we want that equity value to be there so that we can ultimately monetize the business at that point. Ryan Tansom, who's the, uh, you know, the, the 
the founder and the CEO of Arcona, they do, you know, they do fractional CFO stuff and they do, they've got a really cool program that, you know, helps you work towards your, you know, target valuation and understanding, you know, all the, the key important financial metrics. If you haven't checked that, you know, if anyone listening hasn't checked out Arcona, go check out their website. But Ryan says it so eloquently, something to the effect of you got to have a target future equity valuation. You know, and he says that Google Maps is one of the most powerful tools on earth, but if you don't put in the destination, it it is completely, you know, ineffective. So you got to know what you're working towards. And then you have to, of course, solve for your everyday, you know, financial needs, right? So you got to be marching towards that future equity valuation and you got to be solving for the you know the the current needs that that you have to pay your bills and you know have discretionary monies to travel and pay for your kids education and whatever you need you know those you know those monies for yeah i love the way that you say that around determining what that that future equity valuation is and then and then marching towards that right and again if you think about think about soldiers that are marching in battle they're not just marching to march right they are marching because they have a specific point a to point b place that they are you know that they're marching towards and that is something that we help our business owner clients to to identify yeah i think that's great i mean i, I love ryan tansom um and and really the methodology that that he uses he's a great you know friend of the program and, and of our practice also, I'll just mention his podcast, the Intentional Growth Podcast. If you haven't listened to that, you definitely should. But that Google Maps scenario that he lays out, and he laid it out, you know, maybe five or six episodes ago for, for his podcast. Um, and, and he's absolutely right, but he takes it even a step further than you just did. Like, you have to put in a destination, but you can really actually... With Google Maps, the, the way for it to be the most efficient is to take the most efficient pathway there, right? Because I can I can get to Las Vegas from Phoenix in several different ways, but which one's the most efficient, which one's the fastest, which one has the least traffic issues, which one doesn't have a, an accident or a fire on the way there? You know what I'm saying? Like there's there's different pathways to get to the ultimate destination and you want to get there most efficiently. So Comment, comment on this, or let's let's have a let's have a dialogue around this for a second. The statistics, the statistics are somewhere in the ballpark, depending on what site you look at or what advisor that you talk to. But the statistics are somewhere between seventy and eighty percent of private businesses will never essentially successfully change hands. We'll call it right. They won't sell, they won't transfer to their kids, they won't transfer to their management team, uh, they won't be bought out by a competitor, you know, whatever the case may be. So if that's the reality, that tells us that four or you know three out of four of the clients that we serve will not monetize their business, right? If that math holds true for the clients that we serve. Uh, hopefully it's not hopefully it's not that bad because we're we're doing a good job of uh, giving them a better shot. But let's just you know for for sake of conversation, let's assume that that is true. If we know that three out of four are not going to monetize their business, 
what are we doing to help them in the event that that is the case for them and for their particular business? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it actually reminds me of an article that you wrote, I don't know, maybe two years ago that essentially you'd have to remind me of the title, but you basically said it's okay to shut down your business. Right. And, and, and that's, that's fine. I mean, the reality is some businesses will not be able to be sold, right? They just won't get to that point. And, and that's fine too, as long as you have a plan in place ahead of time, right? If you know my business is not being built to be sold, I have to have a different plan for planning for my financial independence. Well, then it's personal financial planning tools to where we're taking an opportunity to move assets from the business balance sheet, so to speak, to the personal balance sheet, right? And and a lot of that has to do with as your business grows and you start to make a little bit more money that you don't continue to just spend everything that comes in, but you're putting money aside and moving it over to that financial independence bucket for your family later on, knowing that if you don't save for it, there isn't another way for you to take care of your family in retirement. Yeah, absolutely. So let, let's just give like a quick example. So let's say you own a business and you do $1.5 million of profit. So maybe you do five or $6 million of revenue. You do $1.5 million of profit and you, you throw the talent, you decide it's time to, you know, move on to the next chapter of your life, whatever that looks like for you. And, and you, you list your business and you, you know, you sell your business for a listing price of, of $5 million. Like let's, let's break that down so that somebody can conceptualize like what that may look like, you know, for them. So a couple of things to start out with, I would say is when you're going out to sell your business, what you list it for, you know, if your listing price is $5 million, more than likely that is not going to be purchase price, okay? And if it is the purchase price, then there's probably going to be there's probably going to be some some terms, you know, that are going to be agreed upon throughout the process that uh, maybe you know you're not you're not too crazy about. Like just to expand upon that, you know, if if Austin's selling his business for five million, and I come to the table and say yeah, I'll happily, I'll give you $5 million. And I'm going to give you uh, $500,000 a year for the next 10 years. And then Mary Smith comes in behind me and says, well, I'm not going to give you $5 million for your business, Austin. I will give you $4.25 million, but I'll give you $3.5 million you know, in cash. And then I'm going to ask you to finance the remaining, what is it, 750,000 bucks or something, right? So, so the terms of a deal can be significantly different and vary greatly based on the individual buyer. So that's something you have to consider. So, all right, in a perfect world, you know, you list your business for five million and you sell your business for five million, all up front, you know, cash at close, no strings attached. What happens from there, Austin? Because obviously, if the purchase agreement says $5 million in cash all up front and closing, no strings, the 
the seller of the business is not getting $5 million deposited in their bank account. And although we're not trying to give any tax or, you know, related advice, we're just, we're spitballing here, but let's, let's understand what, what actually happens from there once that transpires. Yeah. Well, I mean, in a perfect world, land and planning would have been done prior to that sale. Right. And, and there would be some things put in place to kind of offset uh, any taxes that are, that are due, but in your scenario, taxes are due, right? So you're going to pay a tax on, on that sale and, and it's going to be somewhere between 25 to 50%, depending on which state you live in and what tax bracket you're in and how much the gains were. And, you know, there's just so many different things that kind of go into that. But for round numbers, that business owner, after paying taxes, may only have $3 million left to live off of for the rest of their lives. So, yeah, yeah you know. for sure. And that, and, and I, I think that's, you know, I mean, there's also other things other than taxes, right? The, the business broker, most likely a $5 million business is going to be sold by a broker. They're going to probably take roughly a $500,000 commission for that. And then there's going to be some other fees that are associated with transferring the business. So yeah, you're looking at somewhere in the ballpark of, you know, of that $3 million number that you threw out. And what's interesting is $3 million is certainly a lot of money, right? I don't think anybody will argue that. But when you're a business owner that's been used to making three or 500,000 or a million dollars a year of gross income, all of a sudden, when you reverse engineer to what you need to support your lifestyle, three million bucks is not that much money at all. So there's a, a very general rule of thumb in the investing world that says you can safely withdraw approximately 4% of your principal balance every year if you want to give it your best shot at you know not running out of money and hopefully having a little bit of money left over to pass on you know to your heirs so if i'm doing the math here austin if you got 3 million dollars after tax that's only what 120,000 dollars of gross income so all of a sudden when you've been making 2 or 3 or 5 times or more that every year all of a sudden that's just not it's not realistic right nobody is going to cut their lifestyle by 50 or 60 or 80% when they retire or want to sell their business assuming that they're they're not going to go back and find a job or they're going to you know buy or start another business and that was the point of writing that article is that there's nothing wrong with shutting down your business, you just have to make sure that if that is if, if that is a likely outcome for you, that you are doing, you know, we'll call it like the side hustle work, which is building up your personal balance sheet to a significant amount, uh, enough to be able to support, you know, you and your lifestyle and your family for when that day comes of you know exiting out of your business. One other thing that you didn't mention that I think is kind of important to mention in that, you know, not only is your lifestyle going to decrease and with that safe money withdrawal rate that you threw out of, you know, like you said, rough rule of thumb, but call it 4%, 
that's already bad enough compared to the kind of money that you were making before. But what most business owners fail to remember or realize until they've crossed that threshold is that they have, to that point, run many, many, many things through the business that they now have to pay for personally, right? So a lot of business owners are driving a business vehicle paid for by the business. The business is paying the gas. The business is paying the insurance. Like Those are just three quick examples of what a business is paying on your behalf today that it will no longer be paying once you've sold that business. Mm-hmm. Yep. And those add up real quick. <laughs> a car payment, a health insurance payment, a, a, a child or a spouse on payroll, uh, you know, all this stuff. I mean, that easily, easily can amount to you know, tens and tens of thousands or a hundred thousand dollars plus, you know, per year. I mean, we've seen it, I mean, dozens of times, you know, uh, in the the clients that we serve. So it's, it is not unrealistic to expect that as well. So yeah, good point. Yeah. Well, got some other topics we want to cover, but I think this is kind of a perfect time to, uh, to take a quick break and share a call to action for our listeners get a drink of water, and then we'll get back into a couple of other topics that we've set out to talk about today. All right. I will sit silently. (laughs) Hey there, tycoons. Austin Peterson here, co-host of Tycoons of Small Biz. If you think you have what it takes to be considered a tycoon and you're wondering how you could become a featured guest, please follow and then message us at Tycoons of Small Biz on LinkedIn. We'd love to have a conversation with you to see if it is a mutually good fit. And if so, we'll get you scheduled for an interview. If you're unsure about being a guest on our podcast, but are contemplating selling your business over the next few years and you'd like to know what your business is worth, please also follow us and then message us on LinkedIn for your no obligation, informal valuation of your business. We look forward to hearing from you and thanks for listening to the Tycoons of Small Biz podcast. And now back to today's program. All right, Tycoons, welcome back to today's program. Austin Peterson and Landon Mance here with Backbone Planning Partners. Talking a little bit about uh, business owner planning uh, on the financial side, as well as, you know, call it growth planning or, or otherwise in, internally uh, for your business. But, you know, kind of the theme for today, Landon, is how we partner with business owners and some of the things that we've kind of seen over the years. We continue to see on an ongoing basis and, and um, maybe some things that that business owners who are listening to the program can learn from. And so, you know, I want to toss it back over to you and, and ask you to share an example or two of some things that we've seen over the years that that the listeners could benefit from or or, or resonate with, whatever the case may be. Yeah, a little proof in the pudding, right? Yeah. There's a lot of things that come to mind. Maybe one that, that is easily relatable. You know, go figure, it, it's around cash flow <laughs> because... As you and I know, um, and most business owners know and are well aware of, that the primary reason businesses either go under or are flailing is because it's just there's just poor cash flow management. So this would have been 2021. Uh, we have a client that is in the what is called the travel industry, and their business. Does uh, one of the things they do in their business is uh, guided tours, and so they have to have approximately ten 
to 20 vans on hand at any time. And the vans can either be leased or they can be purchased. And this particular client came to us in 2021. And this was during, this was really at the height of the supply chain uh, issues that we faced and are facing. And to add fuel to that fire, it was also at the peak of the, the chip shortage with vehicles. You know, I can't intelligently speak to what that was all about, but uh, I know how it affected this particular client. So this client came to us, basically were put in a position back against the wall, essentially forced to buy about half a million dollars worth of vans. Although could this client have paid for it in cash? I mean, the short answer is yes, but it would have essentially wiped out their entire cash position. So that was not an option. They couldn't get, couldn't get traditional financing from the bank. So they came to us and said, actually, it wasn't even that they came to us. It was that we, you know, we uncovered that this was something, a, a challenge that they were facing in one of our regular communications with them. So they brought it to us and said, I'm not sure what to do here. So can you help me, you know, find a solution? And what's unique about, about us is that although we're not loan officers, we're not, we're not attorneys, we're not tax professionals, you know, we're not business consultants. Due to Austin and I's former experience in, in on our professional lives and due to working with business owner clients very, very closely for many, many years, you know, we've been able to, to take our, our knowledge and experience in all of those different areas and be able to very intelligently have conversations around these topics. And although, again, we don't provide specific tax or legal advice, obviously, we are in a position to be able to ask really good questions understand you know what specifically they're trying to achieve and how that you know applies to them and their kind of overall situation and so um you know that's what we 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 lean on to help lead and guide our clients every single day in our practice and this this situation was no different so ultimately what we ended up doing was crafting a plan to where we could essentially leverage invested dollars on uh, on behalf of the business to draw a line of credit at a very reasonable you know uh, market interest rate um, so that and ultimately what we ended what ended up happening is we the the client brought a little bit of cash to the table and then ended up financing roughly 80 percent of the purchase of the, you know, call it about half a million dollars worth of, of vehicles. Their CPA wasn't bringing that solution to the table. You know, their attorney wasn't bringing that solution to the table. Their bookkeeper wasn't bringing that solution to the table. And so I know the answer to that question, why? But let me let me throw it back to you, Austin. And, and why is it that their other advisors are not, necessarily going to be able to bring forth solutions in all these different areas, you know, that we, that we serve clients in? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a really good question. 
And, you know, I'll just, I'll kind of throw this out here as a, as a primer to this and that, you know, there, there are all kinds of studies out there that the most trusted advisor that people have is their CPA, which, you know, for good reason, but I, I think that sometimes that's overstated or a misunderstanding of what a CPA does for an individual, specifically a business owner. You know, the, the reality is we, as their financial advisor or their financial planner, we're the only individuals that know fully their personal financial picture as well as their business financial picture. And that puts us in a unique position to not only understand you know, the financial side of the decisions that are being made, but we know more fully what their objectives are and we, we can help guide them to the right decision, right? Because everybody needs a CPA. Everybody needs an attorney. Everybody needs an insurance agent. Every business owner needs these people around them. But we act as the glue in all of those people, bringing everybody together to say, okay, what they're saying is, is correct and is important. And what this person is saying is correct and important. But for your overall picture and what's best for you and for your business going forward, let's consider this. And then essentially we get buy-in from those other members of the team to say, yes, that does work and it does make sense. And, and what they're telling you is correct. And so we're in that kind of unique position to be their only advisor that truly understands all aspects of their personal and financial pictures. Right. So what, what, what do you say to the person that's listening to this going, well, you've got someone's personal financial situation and then you've got the business and those are totally separate and they're not, those are not intertwined. So, you know, these guys don't know what they're talking about. I mean, what do you, what, what do you say to that person? Yeah, well, I mean, I would go back to what I said 10 or 15 minutes ago in that, you know, we were talking about understanding that when you sell that business, that all of a sudden you're paying your own car payments, you're paying your own insurance, you're paying, you know, all these things, they are intertwined. For every business owner out there, the business and personal are very intertwined. And even if you've done a really good job of separating them and, and operating them as separate financial entities, there's still crossover and the business for business owners in this country is always going to be that driving force that leads to their personal financial plan being achieved. And so they're always going to be intertwined as a business owner. I mean, I think there's a million examples that we could list just from personal experience, how they are absolutely you know, intertwined. And it, it reminds me, uh, of the story that you told, I think the last time we did this, which was, you know, fourth quarter of 2021. And uh, you spoke to that, you know, the example around, uh, it was the business partners that somebody passed, is that right? Somebody passed away, they didn't have a properly structured and funded, you know, buy sell agreement. And I don't, I don't remember the outcome. But what I can say is that, you know, uh, we we see that all the time. Business partners have been doing business together for two years, five years, thirty years, and maybe they have a buy sell agreement, but it probably hasn't been updated for a very long time. And there's usually not a a, a distinct 
written out, mutually agreed upon formula to determine the valuation of a business should something unexpected happen. And so where I'm going with this is if you've got two business partners that are married with children, have families and lives and all that kind of stuff, somebody passes away unexpectedly, all of a sudden, if you don't have a, a good you know, buy-sell agreement that addresses all the important aspects, you can be screwed because the business might have to be sold to pay off the partner or the partner's late spouse is now going to be coming in to act as the current partner. And that can be absolutely, you know, uh, just, you know, that, that can be just an absolute, you know, mess because they're usually not, you know, they're not qualified to run the business because they may or may not even have any involvement or work in the business. And, and certainly usually the spouse doesn't have experience being the, you know, the CEO and the decision maker of the business. So putting them on that, you know, putting something like that on them is not fair to them either. There's a million different examples that we could cite to prove the fact that business owners, their personal financial situations are directly intertwined in many, many, many different ways when it comes, you know, to the business. Yeah. Yeah. No, no doubt about it. And, you know, like, like you said, they may not have all of those details worked out, the formula built into the agreement, all those sorts of things. But even if they do, most of them don't then have them funded financially. Either there's a re, you know, there's something that specifies where the money's going to come from to buy out the partner's, the deceased partner's spouse, or where the money's going to come from if they become disabled, or if there's insurance in place. And so it's it's not just about writing up an agreement and saying, if so-and-so dies or so-and-so dies, then they're going to buy out the other partner's spouse and that's it. Our agreement's in place. Well, we'll no, it, it has to have a specific formula so that it doesn't create an argument to decide what the value is, first of all. And then on top of that, there has to be a funding source. And in most cases, that does end up being an insurance product. And you know the, the example you cited, the reality is they, had, they did have the agreement in place. It was a close relationship. So there wasn't you know, difficulties in negotiating different things to kind of finalize it. But the funding source had not been identified yet. We had literally just started the process to do that when the partner passed away suddenly. And so then, you know, the business didn't have to be sold to buy out the deceased partner's spouse, but the business was hampered from a financial standpoint for a very long time while those payments were made. And then on top of that, the deceased partner's spouse had good legal representation who required that there be insurance to fund the payments in case something happened to the last remaining living business partner, right? So that business partner then had to take after-tax distributions from the company to buy out the deceased partner's spouse and carry insurance in addition to that in case something happened to him uh, to, to make sure that the, you know, the remaining payments were, were paid out. So it, it just, it comes down to planning, but the reality is, there is no decoupling. Those businesses are, are always, there's those two entities, business and personal finances 
are always going to be intertwined if you're a business owner. Maybe you and I need to like uh, invent a new word other than, you know, planning because business owners typically don't gravitate willingly towards that, <laughs> towards that word. But yeah, I, I mean, we, we've got it in the name of our practice. You know, we obviously live and breathe it and, and believe in it, but uh, maybe, uh, maybe we'll, we'll help more business owners if we, if we change the verbiage from planning to, uh, I don't know, some, some better word than that. But uh, speaking of, uh, speaking of planning, <laughs> you know, as we kind of close up, you know, close up the, uh, the session today, you know, one of the things that we have been working on behind the scenes is trying to find a model and an offering that allows our business owner clients to be more accountable to themselves or their management or executive team to be more accountable to them as the either the shareholder or the co-shareholder to do a much better job at staying on top of the important metrics to track and probably lastly to close the loop is to set crystal clear goals objectives whatever you want to call it and to be able to keep themselves on track to be working towards those things and to be solving identifying and then solving important issues as they inevitably come up you know along the way so you know the entrepreneur operating system eos does a phenomenal job of doing this you know for business owners so you can certainly you know check out eos but what we have found is that we kind of have put together an offering to where we can bring this type of work to our current and future business owner clients at a price point that is more affordable because we have we have the ability to have a vested interest right if we're working with these clients to do this kind of work and it and it builds up building up their you know their cash flow and it's giving more free cash and it's giving them the ability to save and invest more obviously it benefits us because that's one of the services that we offer so we you know we have a vested interest in seeing them being successful at this because it's beneficial for you know for both parties and so you know we're going to be rolling out you know kind of an enhanced offering you know around this so we've got about you know five to ten minutes before we close it out austin so yeah just add some add some color add some thoughts around that if there's anything i kind of you know miss you know please please mention it yeah, no, I mean, I, I think you did a good job of kind of encapsulating that. I mean, the reality is you and I are both familiar with and fans of, you know, EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. The reality is for some organizations, it's it's too complex, it's too time-consuming, uh, and it's too expensive, right? And so if there's an opportunity to get some of those same types of strategies and processes in place for organizations on a, you know, maybe a smaller scale, that's something that that we have the expertise and the ability to bring to to the table because it's part of leading this business to being more valuable from an enterprise or an equity standpoint in the future. 
And so it, it just helps us to partner more fully with our businesses or our business owner clients to, to drive those, those metrics forward and to drive their businesses forward. That this isn't something that we're doing for the masses, right? Like we're not trying to be the next EOS. That, that's not the intent. The reality is for our clients that know us, we don't take on a lot of new clients every year. I mean, we, if we take on 10 new clients in a year, that's a big year for us. And, and we try to keep it right around five to eight. So, you know, this isn't something that's going to be rolled out for everybody. But for those clients that we're working with who are building towards a, an eventual exit, specifically those that are three to 10 years out, those are the target markets or the target clients that, that are going to benefit most from this type of an offering. So I would say if you're a business owner and you're listening to this and you don't have a three to 10 year kind of exit plan, transition plan, a plan to get out, whatever you want to call it, change your mindset around. Because if you're, if you know, if you see the value in, 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 in making your business more attractive, uh, more valuable, more sellable, more transferable at some point in the future, start working towards that now, because all it's going to do is help you build a better business to be more efficient with your time, to hopefully be less stressed, to delegate more, to empower people more. And all of that leads to just a better business, you know, period, end of story. But it certainly leads to a much better chance monetizing your business, you know, in the future. So if you're listening and you do not have a plan to exit out of your business ever, just pick a date. Pick a date. Maybe it's five years or 10 years or 20 years, but pick a date when you want to exit out of your business and for what value that you want to sell your business for and start working towards that as if tomorrow is your last day because you never know when somebody is going to come knocking on your door and saying, Hey, Joe, Mary, Bob, Samantha, you've been building this business for five years, 10 years, 30 years. And I'm really impressed with what you've done, at least from the outside looking in. Are you open to sitting down and having a cup of coffee and talking about me, maybe buying your business from you? I'm really interested. You know, will you talk to me about that? And when you are building a business intentionally to exit at some point in the future, those opportunities will become more and more frequent. So, you know, the, cha- the, 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 the request here, the, the, the challenge that we are presenting to you is, is start to look at your business through this lens. You know, uh, this lens is, is really like, and in, you know, like an investor, like this business is an investment because at the end of the day, it absolutely is right an investment. You are expecting a return from your investment, aka a salary and distributions every year, and hopefully a a transaction at some point, you know, in the future. So your business is absolutely an investment, and it would behoove you to start looking at it through that lens, you know, immediately and. Start putting some stuff in place 
to treat it more like that uh, because it will it will serve you well in the future. Yeah, well said. I mean, I, I think putting these strategies and processes in place, I mean, if I were to look at it, I would say that the worst case scenario, even if you don't end up ever selling your business, the worst case scenario is you may just build it in a way that you've kind of worked your way out of a job and the business is no longer dependent on you working every single day. But then again, that investment is generating dividends for you, still making you money and somebody else is running that for you. Like the, and, and by doing that, the funniest thing about that is if you get to that point, your business actually then becomes worth more money because it's more transferable if you're not needed to be there day in and day out to run that organization. You know, it makes me, it makes me think of a, of a past guest that we had on the program a long time ago, uh, Chris Ronzio with Trainual, right? He, his big tagline, I think, is get your business out of your head, right? And, and that's his whole process is get your business out of your head, put, it, put together strategies and processes and, you know, standard operating procedures, all those sorts of things so that your business can truly run without you. And it gives you options that you currently don't have today as a business. Yeah, no doubt about it. And when you when you think about the idea of capturing all of your processes and procedures, if you if you don't if you haven't done that at all, just the fact of of thinking about that is super overwhelming to a lot of us as business owners. So here's our suggestion: do one, one start with one process or procedure, and you know, document, if you are responsible for that process, document every single little step that you follow in order to execute on that particular process, document it in writing, right? Start with one. And just by documenting that in writing, and looking down at that piece of paper, seeing those words, you'll probably be able to find a couple opportunities to increase efficiency or to optimize or to do something productive with that particular process and then rinse rinse and repeat and then what happens is now you've got some of these documented now you can effectively delegate that to somebody else because you've super clearly identified communicated exactly what happens in that process. You've, you've tweaked it, you've reworked it, you've made it more efficient. Now, guess what? You can pass it on to somebody else. And that's, that's what delegating is. And you start to take those baby steps and all of a sudden, you're not wearing six hats or eight hats. Now you're wearing three you know, or two or hopefully you know, one. You, know, you get to the point where you know, you're not working in the day-to-day of the business any longer, but you are certainly still responsible for the ultimate success or the failure of the business and the, you know, the high-level strategy and, you know, maybe the finance decisions, you know, big stuff like that. Start small, do one and build upon that because uh, once you do it once and you, you see what it can do for your business, you'll want to do it more for sure. Yeah, definitely. All, all I can say to that is is amen. So 
I'll tell you what, Landon, it, uh, when we do these, uh, when you and I have an opportunity to get together like this and record a podcast episode, it reminds me of, of what it was like co-hosting together. I really appreciate obviously the, the banter and the exchange that we have back and forth. And, and, um, I appreciate the opportunity to have had you on the show today. Yeah. Likewise, man. Appreciate it. Hopefully, uh, some of the people that were listening, you know, today can take away a, a couple nuggets and implement them in their business because we can't say this enough. We Austin and I come from long lines of family entrepreneurs. We've worked, you know, we've we've owned and operated, bought and sold businesses. We've worked, you know, for for big corporate, you know, uh, corporate America. We've gotten our cut our teeth in that, in those worlds as well. And, you know, been able to just glean from all of our experiences and just try to, you know, all we're trying to do and what we do is, is make our business owners lives, you know, just a a little bit better um, inside the business and a little bit better, you know, outside the business. So hopefully uh, somebody listening will take away something and be able to, you know, apply it to uh, one of those areas. We'd love to connect with people. If you're a potential Guests listening to the show, track us down, please. Backboneplanning.com. You can find um, Austin and I, you know, we're all over LinkedIn. Send us an email, you know, landon.mance at lfg.com, austin.peterson at lfg.com. Send us a smoke signal, you know, radio wave, whatever works for you. Love to uh, connect with you. So yeah, thanks for, for putting this together, Austin. And uh We'll probably talk sometime in the next couple hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, definitely uh, appreciate it. I just add real quick, if, if you like the content that you heard today or with any of our other episodes, please like and follow. Subscribe to Tycoons of Small Biz on all the podcast platforms that are out there. Uh, follow us on our social media channels and on our YouTube channel, Tycoons of Small Biz. We really enjoy doing this podcast. We feel that it... Uh, it does some good in the world and uh, and helps business owners out there to continue to grow and progress in their businesses. So thanks for allowing us to do this uh, on your behalf and uh, to be guests of yours every week as well. Thanks. You've been listening to Tycoons of Small Biz, a podcast for small business owners by small business owners. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Arizona time for an introduction to another great tycoon. And be sure to follow us on our social media channels for links to all of our episodes and great content.